Ladies and gentlemen, the questions you've all been asking are now being answered. Welcome to another edition of It's All About Who You Know, the podcast where influential people talk big topics in sports, faith, and more. Your host is a former Oregon State wrestler. He has a 4.9 star Uber rating and is currently undefeated in his MMA career. Here is Christian Robertson. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, Don't want to take too much of your time, as always, with some of these opening monologues, but um, this week I was able to sit down with uh, Brent Primus. Some of you probably don't know who Brent is, and that's a shame. That is a shame. Brent Primus is one of the toughest guys in the world. Brent uh, is a former Bellator world champion at 155 pounds, um, beat Michael Chandler, and then lost the belt to Michael Chandler in uh, in a five-round fight. He lost by decision. Um, is uh, Currently has, um, I think he's 10-1. and one. Got his black belt in jiu-jitsu in like six years, which is crazy. If you guys don't know anything about jiu-jitsu, if you're some of my normal listeners um, that maybe you know, aren't MMA fans or, or whatever, uh, yeah, Brent, six years is crazy. It takes some guys 20 years to get their black belt. So just a crazy athlete. Um, I had no idea that this podcast was going to go the way it went. Uh, it was a little shorter than I, I um, expected, but uh, we got a lot in in the 20 minutes that we spoke. Um, he talks about you know just his life, his upbringing. You definitely want to stay to the end just to hear some of the things he says. Uh, he has a call out um, that he uh, that he he uh, somebody he wants to fight, but um, I think it's just a good story to hear, especially now. Because your your former circumstances don't necessarily define you. And I just want everybody to hear that because you're going to know, and you probably have already guessed from the title, but, but Brent is the epitome of somebody that has taken a bad circumstance and turned it into something good, redirected it into something good. Um, you know, going from a drug dealer as a 14-year-old kid crazy to a world champion so just hearing that and that you know and whatever you're going through in your life you know it doesn't have to be selling drugs to the extreme and it doesn't necessarily have to be on the opposite end of being a world champion but you know everybody's gone through some type of circumstance everybody's gone through some type of hurt or pain or or whatever and a lot of people have come out on the other side and some people have redirected it into the highest level. And um, so I just want to encourage you guys. I want to uh, be there for you guys. Um, whatever you're going through, you know, take ownership of it. Move forward. Say, how can I make my circumstance better? And that's exactly what Brent did. You know, he looked at himself and said, how can I make a bad situation a good one? And so... Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't want to take too much of your time, guys, but uh, Brent Primus. Definitely don't have to do it, so I just appreciate it, man. Um, But yeah, Brent Primus, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So, um, how you doing, man? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Uh, First of all, like, how did you get into MMA? This mic's kind of in our way. Oh, man, it's kind of a a long story. I kind of, I got kicked out of my house when I was really young and uh, I was I had my own house when I was like 14 years old 
and I was literally just like a party house. Every night was a, a party. Uh, I had nobody tell me to do my homework, go to school, do anything, you know, and, and I was living a crazy life. I was going to house parties in Eugene. Uh, the U of O is there. And so I was going to parties and I was like arm wrestling for money and then I was getting in a lot of fights and um, there's about a year and a half where I was getting at least one or two fights every weekend and uh, my hands were like humongous swollen calcium fist you know and I was just uh I was just known for knocking people out all the time and then one of my buddies was like man if you're going to be doing this you might as well uh make money and so he signed me up for a cage fight and I never trained all, at all ever once you know and so I was like yeah I'm gonna go in there and knock this guy out and they were t telling me to go to the gym for a long time and I just uh never did and then I was like two weeks out from my cage fight my first cage fight and I was like man I'm gonna go to the, go to this gym just to see what it's about and I'm gonna go in there and, and just beat the crap out of all these dudes and so I went into the gym and got absolutely manhandled and got choked out and arm barred and i was like gosh damn man this is crazy and i like i totally realized that it's about technique and stuff like that and uh because i knew that i was way stronger and i was more athletic um but uh it just was an eye-opener to me and get, get my my butt kicked by all these little dudes and so from then on i literally trained every single day put my life in it and um yeah man just trained every single day as hard as i could and went and competed in every single jiu-jitsu tournament and uh, I got my blue belt in three weeks I won Pan Americans as that was my first gi tournament and uh, I just caught onto it so fast and I mean uh, thank thankfully too because it's you know helped me and changed my life and everything so yeah that's crazy so at what point what point did you think like dang I can make like a living doing this because when you because how old are you 35 yeah yeah and crazy. you started when you were I started when I was 20 okay so so for six years you were living on your own yeah, yeah. I think there was like a point in time where I went with my parents uh, for like, I think it was like eight months, something like that. And then me and my stepdad did not get along, obviously. And uh, I'm sorry to hear I that. was back at it, you know. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. Also, like, I got kicked out of my house when I was like 13 years old. And uh, I tried to get a job, and nobody had hired me. I literally had sent in applications to McDonald's and Taco Bell and everybody said that I was too young and so I was like man so I, I actually went and picked berries at the farms uh, for like a whole year and it was just so hard and I wasn't making much money and then um, you know it kind of happened where I, I met this one guy and he uh, was a hippie and he gave me a little bit of weed and then all of a sudden really what happened is he was out of weed and I tried to get some weed from him to smoke and he didn't have any and I was like man if you want I can call around and try to get you some and he's like okay and so I went to his house he gave me 300 bucks I went and got him an ounce, and I brought it back to him. He's like, "Man, this is garbage. I can't do nothing with this." And I was like, "Oh crap!" And so he's like, "You go. I want my money by the end of the day." And I was like, "Oh man!" And so I went and called my buddies, and I sold the ounce in an hour, made a hundred bucks, and then, uh, man, it all went from there. And I was selling so much gosh dang weed in high school. I had like three high schools on lockdown, you know, and that's how I uh, paid all my bills. I had a house, you know, an apartment when I was super young, and I was literally making three to four hundred dollars a day, and selling the best weed in uh around you know i met this hippie and i had the best weed and uh it was a crazy crazy lifestyle man and and i also had a bunch of guys breaking my house with guns i had a gun pointed to my head and got jacked i uh when i was 18 i had the cops break into my house and and you know it was crazy and then that was the time where i was like knew that i had to change something in my life and that's uh you know, it was like 18, 19, and that's when I was getting in all these fights. I got caught by the cops, and then uh, right then is when I started doing jiu-jitsu. And once I started doing jiu-jitsu, it literally changed my life. I learned respect. I learned honor. I learned I was bowing to my opponents. I was bowing to all my, you know, uh, my opponents and, and the, my all my training partners, and it literally changed my life, you know. So uh, 
if it wasn't for jujitsu, man, I literally would – I don't know what I'd be doing. You know, like it would be crazy. But, um, yeah, it changed me for sure. So it was awesome. Damn, that is – okay, so that is like maybe the epitome of a fighter's story. <laughs> like I don't – Yeah, I, yeah. I did not expect you to say that you were 13 on your own and, you know, like selling selling dope, which at the time was like I – mean, Crazy. That's, it was, it was, that's 20 years ago. I yeah, mean, that it was, was like, Yeah, I mean, yeah. Those by you know those time that time it was like I mean the same regulations as cocaine or 100 percent it was horrible you know and like and it was crazy like my dad has been in prison pretty much my whole life I've never uh, you know I I used to go visit him at Oregon State Penitentiary and he talked him to the phone with that big glass or whatever and my dad has been in prison my pretty much my whole life from methamphetamines he's like one of the m- number one manufacturer factories when I was really 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 young. And uh, so I made a pact to myself and my mom when I was really young that I would never touch white drugs, meth, coke, anything. And so I never have. I've never touched any white drugs. And I was like selling pounds and pounds and pounds and, and just in that market and doing that, you know, you run into all that stuff. And I just made a pact that I would never touch any white drugs and I never have and I never will, you know. And I think that also saved me because there's a bunch of people, my friends that we were selling weed and I, I would front them and I got them to sell weed and eventually – they started doing coke and all the selling coke and all the stuff and then uh you know a lot of them are in jail and doing stupid things you know and so um yeah just a crazy life but at the same time like everything that uh i've went through i think it's helped me and and made me who i am today and i don't think i would have that fire in me if it wasn't for you know all the craziness for sure (laughs) yeah that's one thing i noticed like talking to really successful people is like there's something like I, i not necessarily as extreme as what you're saying but some guys yeah as extreme there's something about that struggle that you're, you know, that you demonstrated that you're expressing, like, that just, like, obviously you start at a further back place, but it's almost like you're slingshotted, not into success, but the work ethic, the thing you have, like, it's like a, like, if you look at, like, a Navy SEAL, like, a Navy SEAL that retires and, and goes into the workforce, like, is obviously not as equipped, maybe in some jobs, but is equipped for life and is going to slingshot past everybody else because of the work ethic, because of the struggle, because of the desire they have to succeed and to be the best they can. I think that's like a consistent theme amongst a lot of really successful people. And I just, okay, so at what point did you, did you, like you're doing jujitsu at what point? So you, you went to your first street or you went to your first fight, your, you did an amateur fight. And how old were you when you, when you started fighting amateur? I think I was 20 when I first started training, period, you know. When yeah. I first started training, I was 20 years old. And, and like I said, I got my blue belt in three weeks of, of training. My, my instructors were like, if you win Pan Americans, we'll give you your blue belt. And they didn't think I was going to win. I had there's like 120 or 160 people in, uh, in my uh, division. And uh, I went out there and won and got my blue belt in three weeks. And that's when I literally was like, I think I could – be really good at this, you know. And at the time, I was also selling a lot of marijuana, but I was also um, had my own landscaping business. I bought this landscaping business, you know, for that money, and I was working all the time doing, you know, that too. And and at, when I started training, I literally uh, knew that I could not work all day long and be successful at jiu-jitsu or MMA. So I literally sold um, clients one by one. I sold all my equipment, and I started training every freaking minute of the day that I could, you know, and uh, I also knew that I had to change my lifestyle. I couldn't be drinking. I couldn't be eating horrible, and and, um, I literally changed everything. Jiu-Jitsu changed me. I literally was eating salad and grilled chicken and 
and uh, you know protein shakes and and I wasn't drinking alcohol and I, it just changed everything and I was all I was wanting to do is get better and get my black belt and win and that was my life for sure and it still really is you know but obviously I'm older and I have kids now but um, winning is definitely and getting better is definitely you know on the top of the list for sure <laughs> yeah so so you're you're ten and one yeah your was it your eighth fight. Was it for the world title against Michael Chandler? Yeah, yeah, eight, no, yeah. So, I feel like you haven't got your respect for that fight because everybody sees what happened to Chandler's foot, and I'm a Chandler fan, um, but I recognize there is no discrepancy. You put Michael Chandler in that position, like you kicked his foot, and you like you caused the nerve damage, and then he just stepped and wasn't able to continue. How, how does that settle with you, like being a world champion? But not getting your this you know your respect your due everybody's like oh Chandler's the world champ like I just I don't know how how did that sit with you Oh it sucked man like I literally trained my butt off for that fight I had everybody telling me I was gonna lose and I literally was so broke I spent I was negative I had no money in my bank account I spent everything I had on that fight camp and I had a baby doing a month and a half and I. it was just a crazy time, you know, and literally what's so crazy is I trained that laid kick, you know, for like three months. I was throwing hundreds of kicks almost every single day, that same low calf kick, and I've hurt so many of my training partners with that same kick, and to me, when I when I was in there fighting and, and I and I threw that kick and I hurt him, I me and my coaches knew what was going on. They were yelling, it's, it's, he's hurt, he's hurt, and uh, so I had no idea that there was controversy until after the fight, you know, I, I literally thought that I went in there and and I, had, I just didn't think there's any controversy, you know. And like, what's crazy is like, I was in the cage, and and Michael Chandler's like, I remember Scott Coker walking into the cage, and Scott Coker's like, what's what's wrong, Mike? What's wrong? And Chandler's like, it's broken. It's it's it's, it's fucking broken. And uh, you know, Chandler thought that he that I broke his leg in there, and then they went to the doctor, and the next day in New York City, they did a conference or whatever, and, and Scott Coker came out and was like, yeah, it was from Brent's uh, kick. Is that impact that it? it uh, causes nerve damage and all that stuff, and then Chandler went off on the, uh, he was next, and he's like, oh yeah, I just uh, freaking rolled my ankle, Brent did nothing, and I was like, I was totally shocked, I literally could not believe it, I was like, damn, man, this guy's a really poor sport little baby, you know, like, um, so it was just crazy, you know, and, and uh, screw Michael Chandler, I'd love to fight him again, and I can't wait, <laughs> you know, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that goes down, um, you know, again, for sure. Yeah. Are you um, so? Are you looking to to fight Pitbull? Is that like I mean, is that what you like? If you could have your next fight, is that who you want? You want a shot at the title and then maybe get Chandler back or? Oh, one hundred percent. Give me that title shot for sure. I think that'd be awesome. You know, um, and I think I can definitely beat Pitbull. Um, but yeah, Bellator, give me that shot. You know, I'll definitely uh, be the next. I will win. You know, I know I, I can beat up Pitbull. Um, and then after him, you know, I think. I'd love to fight either Chandler if he still stays with Bellator. I know there's talk about him being a free agent, or uh, Benson Henderson is up there. I know, and um, or even uh, Patricio Pitbull too. You know, I know he's uh, been doing pretty well too. So, um, or uh, Patrick Patricio. I don't. I don't know. That's the older one. The older one. Yeah, 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 the one that's not the champ. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, man, I definitely want the title shot. Or uh, definitely the best guys that they got. So. That's what I want. Gotcha. Now, do you have a fight lined up right now? Do you know what's... I mean, what are you guys in talks? What's I do. I signed a fight about three months ago to fight somebody. Um, 
But it's just crazy times right now, man. Obviously, Bellator hasn't set an exact date. Sure. Um, but my date was pretty much the time when they're going to come back. So, um, you know, but also not only that, I'm, I'm not – the guy that I'm fighting is not from America. So I'm not sure if they're even going to let him fly here right now with the damn corona going on. So right now it's just in limbo, man. It's crazy, you know, and uh, – yeah, this whole virus kind of shut everything down, so we'll see how everything goes. Gotcha. Now you just, you know, I'll, I'll get you, you know, for the sake of time, we'll we'll go on this one last talking point. But um, you just got done with uh, with submitting um, what a lot of people think is the best uh, jujitsu practitioner in the sport of mixed martial arts. But Jake Smith, you want to talk about that a little bit? Just submission Jake shields or shields? Sorry, yeah, yeah. not Smith. Um, but <clears throat> Smith, Jake Smith trains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I was mixed up. Um, but Jake Shields uh, just tapped him out. How did um, how did how did you feel like that match went? As far as like you know your mindset going in, um, did you have like any intimidation like thinking that? Because I I think like on paper like you know <clears throat> he's kind of a legend my, almost man. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he's moved. He's definitely moving into that jujitsu scene, and you're still really highly into your. I mean, you're only eleven fights into your pro career. Yeah. Like, you still have a, I mean, if you want, like, you still have a long... Yeah, I want to go and tell him in my 40s for sure, you know, early yeah. 40s, you know, so definitely got time. But, yeah, man, uh, once I found out that I was, you know, had a grappling match against Jake Shields, I was, I had two thoughts going to my head. Like, one of them was like, oh, shit, man, I'm going against Jake Shields. You know, he's a legend. I've, I've been watching this guy on TV for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and then another, you know, thought was like, hell yeah, man, I want to go against the best guys. I want to prove that... I belong, um, you know, with the best guys, and um, so it was cool, man. But at the same time, I was nervous as shit, <laughs> freaking going against him, you know, like uh, just the whole atmosphere of the sug. Like I didn't have any of my coaches there; I didn't have anybody there with me, yeah, and I just drove up there by myself. And it was uh, quiet. There's no fans there, and I could hear him breathing, and like it was just a crazy but awesome experience, you know. Chell did, and the sug was awesome, and it was yeah. so fun, and. But at the same time, man, yeah, I was nervous as hell going against Jake Shields. You know, he's a legend. I've been watching that guy uh, on TV for a long time. And um, just the whole rule setting for the SUG was definitely threw me off a little bit. You know, yeah. like I've always just tried to go for the kill and try to submit. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, the SUG is different. You know, it, it's it's a lot of strategy. And um, I really had to be patient with Jake Shields. I didn't want to just go in there and... Uh, blow my gas or, or shoot in and him take my back or, or get me get a, I know he has a real good guillotine and back take so I was playing really really smart yeah. and um, as soon as he pulled guard I was like oh thank god man I can and I feel really really good with my guard passes and, and so I started working my knee cross pass and, and uh, I, I passed the guard there and at the same time I was really trying to be super patient um, and, and just conserve my energy and um I knew uh, I've been drilling my arm bars for the last like three weeks, yeah. and man, I just felt really, really good with it. I've been, uh, you know, catching a, high level guys with my arm bar. How I set it up, I kind of switched everything up um, with with my arm bar because uh, I've been going with, against like Austin Vanderford and, and Tobias and Ben Baxter, these big, big explosive guys, mm -hmm. and they were just exploding out of my arm bar. So I. I was driving home one day from American Top Team and, and I was just thinking about it and um, I just kind of switched everything up and it worked really well for me and how I've been attacking the armbar, I haven't really had anybody get out of it and so I just felt really confident in my armbar. I just knew that if I could just uh, defend his, his back and, and just not get choked that uh, when it came to me getting the armbar that I, I, f I felt that I could get it for sure. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely impressive like, you know, going into, you got him in OT, right? It was OT. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the first five minutes went 
by like fast. That. It goes even by so Chael fast. said on the commentary, he's like, "Was that five minutes?" Yeah, yeah. I was it's like, crazy. "Shoot, that felt like two. It is crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I like that rule set though. I think it's good. I think five minutes is good, and then get guys in positions like that. But yeah, dude, when you sunk it in, it was like, okay, he's got it locked. Like, and then Jake had you know had his arm, so it didn't look like. And then you rolled it through, and it was like, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, it was yeah. not, I bet that was a good feeling. And you could tell, I could tell, like when watching you, like you wanted to celebrate and like freak <laughs> out, but there was nobody there yeah, for, sure, for sure. How anticlimactic is that? There's like, I mean, it's so nuts, man. It is. It's, it's just being so excited, and there's nobody like in yeah. the crowds cheering, you know. But like. Honestly, in, in my head, I was freaking just jumping up and down, so excited. You know, yeah. I, I literally, uh, man, I don't, I'm not going to say he's my idol or nothing like that, but uh, there's that saying, you know, like, train until your idols become your opponents or something like that. Yeah, it goes, yeah. you know, something like that. And it's just like totally reminded me of that, you know. So it was, uh, yeah. it was, it was badass. And so, man, hopefully someday uh, I can train with Jake Shields. I think it'd be so awesome, you know, to, tr- to train with him. And um, so hopefully, uh, yeah, it'd be cool to get some training with him and all those guys over there, you know, I think sure. all, it's pretty dope. So yeah, no, that was a cool moment. And, and I could just tell, I was like looking on your face. I was like, bro, yeah, like, yeah, for on. sure. Um, okay. One last thing. I know I said last thing, but Austin Vanderford told me to ask you about the time you got your black belt. And it's a funny story. Is it a funny story or is there? Oh, well, uh, man. Oh yeah. Cause so yeah, should I say that? So I got my black belt in, uh, from, Megaton and uh, man, I don't know if I want to tell this story honestly. You know, if you can't tell it, I don't know if I want to. Let let me think about it. You know, Uh, yeah, I don't want to tell that story actually, but yeah, it it was funny for sure. But just for just out of respect, you know, I just uh, I just don't want to say it just out of respect. You know, okay, 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 cool. Well, guys, sorry, sorry. I feel like no, 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 no. Dig now, no. Well, that was. I mean, that was uh, that was one more point that I planned on asking. But um, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for your time and appreciate you being here. Um, Super excited to watch your next fight, man. And and, uh, just, you know, working out with you, being able to, you know, be in the same environment and stuff, man. It's awesome. So, yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate that for sure. All righty, guys. Did, was, did he tell you about the? Uh, is it, are we still on? We're still on. Um, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I have a signature sign up. All righty, guys. That's Brent Primus. But uh, thank you guys for being back for another episode of It's All About Who You Know. But I think we're done here.